Welcome to this week's episode of Seeking Proof, Finding Grace. I'm your host, Ron Campbell, and this week, as with every week, I want to start off by reminding you of the most important truth in the entire universe. God loves you. Now, I want to remind everybody, the journey that we're about to take is going to go through some interesting places over the next few weeks, especially as we really start to break down the beginnings of the universe and start to look at a few questions that I think will really help explain all of this on a deeper level, something that we could all use as we go forward through this through these topics. It's important to remember the journey that we're taking before you can jump in and ask a question, why is there pain and suffering in the world? I think it's important to rewind back a couple of steps. Remember, we began this journey by trying to add some context around the journey, who God was, things like that. And before we get to the point of asking some difficult questions, we have to answer three questions. Number one, were we created or are we just a great cosmic accident? If the evidence points clearly to the fact that we were created, and I believe that it does, the cumulative weight of the evidence, I think that's what we're going to see over the course of this journey, then that allows us to step forward and ask the next question. Well, if we were created, then who were we created by? Who is that creator? And if we can identify that creator and what we know about that creator, which I believe to be the the God of the Bible, then that allows us to finally step into that third question. Well, why would a loving God allow pain and suffering in the world? You see, if there's no creator and we're simply a great cosmic accident, then the world is as Richard Dawkins would define it. It's random chance, it's cold indifference, and there's no rhyme or reason to anything. It is what it is. But only if there's a God is there actually a purpose to asking these difficult questions that we all face, those questions that kind of keep us all up at night. Only if there's a God, and if he is a personal God, someone who has who is connected with us, who's given us that connection to him. Only in those cases can we ask those questions. Because if it's an impersonal God or some mysterious universal force, well, there's no point in asking those questions. It's interesting philosophy, but it's little else. You won't expect to get an answer from a mysterious force. But at the same time, you would if you're asking questions of a personal God. But the journey changes the context of everything. The journey provides us with the evidence that we need to answer these questions. There's no one silver bullet, I don't think, that's going to answer this question for most people. But the cumulative weight of the evidence that we see before us, I believe, clearly shows the fingerprint of a creator. And the reliability of the Bible and the evidence that we have from the Bible that Jesus Christ was, that Jesus was exactly who he said he was, that he was God in the flesh, that gives us our creator. That tells us who our creator was. And if we walk through those things, then it gives us context that we can wrap around these important questions. And that's why we're taking the journey that we're taking and we're going the route that we're going. Now, along the way, we need to stop and ask some important philosophical questions and some important scientific questions sometimes. This week's episode, we're going to talk about the singularity. And the reason we're going to do so is I think it's important to understand some things, especially as we start talking about, well, how could everything come from nothing? Which is what we're going to be talking about, the beginning of the universe in the weeks to come. I think it's important just to pause for a minute because you're going to hear terms like singularity bantered about. If it's a Marvel movie, we're going to slap quantum in front of it because you slap quantum in front of everything. I'm wearing a quantum watch for that regard. But what is the singularity? What is it when people refer to that? What is it that we're talking about? And I thought it might be a good time to discuss that before we get any deeper into this question. 
Now, last week, we began with Einstein's general theory of relativity all the way back in 1915. And Einstein's theory and what we take away from that, there were, there's lots of things, obviously, that we could take away from that. But one of those ideas that we take away from that is this question of, we would expect from Einstein's theory and one of the things that we can learn about gravitational forces in the universe, left to themselves, we would have expected the universe to have collapsed in on itself long ago. Let's start with our little slice of the universe, our, gal our little solar system. We've been told that we live on a very ordinary planet in a rather unremarkable solar system with a star that's not that different from most other stars and an arm of the galaxy that's eh, pretty routine. Nothing to see here, no, nothing special. And that part of the galaxy, well, it's a normal galaxy, not unlike many others. And, well, in the universe that we have around us is just the universe that we have. It's exactly what we would expect to find. And we're led to believe that through this idea that's developed, especially over the last 50 years, this idea especially that's been promoted through science and science fiction, that that's just the way the universe is. The problem is none of that is actually true. And what we've come to find is that we live on an extraordinarily special planet in a solar system that is remarkably well positioned. I would use the word designed, but I'll hold that for just a second. In a solar system that is remarkably well put together for our little planet and for life to exist on our little planet. And we live next to a sun that is orbiting a sun that is remarkably well-suited to producing life and that is nothing like many of the stars that exist in the universe. And speaking of which, we live in a sweet spot of a rather abnormal galaxy that's not like most galaxies out there in the perfect spot in that galaxy to support life on this little tiny planet of ours. And the universe that's supposedly so ordinary, turns out that it's rather remarkably well put together for life. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the episodes to come. So everything that we see around us leads us to exactly the opposite conclusion that I've always been brought up to believe. I've been told by all my favorite franchises, Star Wars and Star Trek and everything else out there, that life is normal. That we would expect to find alien life on millions of planets out there, at least thousands of planets, certainly. Life is routine. Life is abundant in the universe. But that's not true. And what we see, if not design built into this universe, this galaxy, this solar system, and this planet, if it's not design, it sure as heck look like, looks like design. So what is it that we're actually looking at as we look around us? Well, Einstein's theory would tell us that our star, left to its own devices and all of the planets, eventually gravity, if the only force in the universe left unchecked, would have sucked all of that in long ago, and our little solar system would have collapsed in on itself, collapsing into a galaxy that would have imploded into a universe that would have ultimately imploded. Truth be told, none of it would have ever formed in the first place, most likely. Left unchecked, gravity would have done some rather terrible things. But Einstein's theory gives us a couple of interesting ideas. And remember, the philosophical conclusion that he came to was wrong. Einstein proposed that the reason we hadn't seen everything collapsing on itself was something called 
the cosmological constant, a force pushing out against gravity, counterbalancing the effect of gravity. Well, Einstein's right scientifically. There is a force that's pushing back against gravity, and in fact, what we find is the universe is expanding. But that triggered a whole bunch of problems. Einstein's issue wasn't scientific, it was philosophical, because he didn't like the idea of an expanding or contracting universe because only a static universe could have existed forever. So went the common logic at the time. So Einstein's original idea is a static universe that's been around for forever, but by 1931, 16 years after he releases his theory, he has to finally admit the universe is expanding, the evidence is undeniable. And so our expanding universe also leads to another interesting conclusion. If you hit the pause button and then you rewind, our expanding universe in reverse would have ultimately shrunk down to a beginning point. And that beginning point is where we're going to start our journey. If you keep shrinking everything in the universe back, and remember, it's important that we start thinking about the universe in, in terms of its basic building blocks. Time, space, matter, reality, energy as well. But as we think about these building blocks and we bring all of them back together, as we hit that rewind button and go all the way back to the end of the tape, what we're going to find is that they all collapse into a point of infinite density. This point of where time and space and matter and energy all collapse into nothingness and where all of our formulas begin to break down on us. It's this point in time that's this odd thing to describe. It's, it's not a firecracker. We kind of think sometimes, of, well, the Big Bang must be like a firecracker because it exploded. It's not a thing. It's not a firecracker, no matter how entertaining that might be, although we'll talk about that in just a minute as an analogy. It's not a thing at all. It's more of a concept. It's a time and a place. It's a, it's a place that has no address. It's a time that's before time, certainly before space, matter, and time came together. It's this point, this imaginary point where all of our formulas break down, like I said before. And on one side of the of the singularity, we're staring into the abyss of nothing. And nothing is a difficult concept to grasp. We're going to spend an entire episode coming up on nothing and what that actually means, because a lot of people get tempted to cheat and not really hold to the idea of nothing. We try to sneak a lot of things in to make some scientific and philosophical theories work. Nothing means nothing, and that's a very difficult concept for us to grasp. But we'll talk about that again more in the episodes to come. So we stand at the abyss. The singularity is this great abyss that we stand at with nothing on one side of it and everything on the other side of it. And where did that everything come from? Well, we, we say it came from the Big Bang. But the singularity poses the question, what generated the Big Bang? You know, with a, on 4th of July, when it rolls around every year, it's pretty easy to understand what causes the Big Bang. You have a big firecracker that's going to generate a Big Bang. Let me try to illustrate it with, and this is a very clumsy analogy, and I'll, I'll admit that going into it, but go with me for just a minute on this. Let's say this was a firecracker and not one of my daughter's smoke bombs. But let's say this is a firecracker and I light the firecracker. By the way, insert all safety terms here. You should never hold the firecracker, put it on the ground, light it safely, all those kinds of things. But let's say I light the firecracker, and this has happened to all of us on 4th of July. The fuse burns all the way down, and there is that brief moment. There's that moment where the fuse burns into the firecracker 
and nothing happens. You get that last little wisp of smoke and there's this horrible pause. That horrible pause is, is a little bit like the Big Bang. It's like, a little bit like the singularity at this moment. You've got nothing at that moment. You're, you're at this, this awkward pause. On one hand, you wonder, all right, has the fuse gone out? Well, maybe. You also wonder, is the firecracker just a dud? Is something gone wrong inside of it? It's not necessarily the fuse, the firecracker. The fuse was fine. The firecracker's a dud. You don't know. Or is it the instant before the Big Bang? Is the Big Bang about to happen and the firecracker's actually going to work normally? Now, safety reasons, you obviously don't go pick up the firecracker. Don't ever do that. You sit and wait because you just don't know what, what's happened. All of your theories have broken down. For that brief instant, you have no idea. All theories have broken down and you're simply forced to wait and see what happens. It's a terrible analogy. I get that. There's lots of things you can say. I lit the fuse. There was a firecracker in there. I, I get all of that. But at that brief moment, nothing has happened. All of my theories have broken down. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. The moment of the Big Bang. The moment before the Big Bang, I should say. And this is where people get very, very tricky. There's no before the Big Bang because time came into existence of the Big Bang and all of these different things. We're going to talk a lot about all of that in the future, but it's important to remember we're bringing into existence everything. And you have this brief moment where, again, on one side is nothing and on the other side is everything. And at that dividing line, before the Big Bang, we have the singularity. We have this... The best thing, I think, to probably put in there is a question mark. We just don't know. It's a moment of question mark. And again, a moment's probably not the right word to use because it implies time, which doesn't exist. That's why this is maybe so difficult to understand. It's that potential moment that exists somewhere before time and space and matter where something happened. So what is it that's happened here? And that's going to be the question. We're going, to, we're going to force ourselves to make some decisions as we go forward as we reach these points where something has occurred and we have to make a decision. Now, there's three options on the table is what's happened here. The first option is that it was created. The universe leapt into existence because it was created by an intelligent designer. That's the very first thing we're going to talk about. We're going to put that on the table and we're going to see where that goes. Is that a likely answer in all of this? Again, is that a likely answer compared to the likelihood of the other possible answers? The second answer is the universe, everything, leapt into existence from nothing all by itself. And as you can imagine, that possibility is fraught with problems. For the last 50 years especially, scientists have been desperately trying to make that idea happen. How can everything come from nothing? And we're going to, again, talk a lot about how everything can come from nothing because most of us correctly realize philosophically, well, nothing comes from nothing. From out of nothing, nothing comes. The old saying is true. So we have to recognize that we're at this odd place where we're not just going to look at science. We're also going to look at philosophy. We're in an area of what's known as metaphysics. And let me give you Webster's definition of metaphysics. Webster's defines metaphysics as a division of philosophy that is concerned with the fundamental nature of reality and being. This goes beyond just science. That's part of the question mark that the, that the singularity represents. That question mark represents as far back as physics can take us. 
We can't go any further than that. We're going to have to apply some logic here. There's going to have to be a little bit of philosophy here, and it needs to be very, very good. We're going to get into Stephen Hawking's area here, and Hawking, brilliant scientist, not always the best philosopher, though, and we're going to see that when we look at a few of these things. So when we look at this, is it possible that the universe just simply created itself out of nothing? And you're going to find a lot of people willing to argue that that's the case. The third possibility is going to go back to what we've talked about before, that the universe is somehow still eternal. And is that still possible and is that a thing? And what we're going to find the answer to that is no. And we'll talk about scientifically why that is, not just philosophically why that is. There's two good reasons to believe that that's not the case, both scientific and philosophical. But again, we'll talk about that more in the episodes to come. So I wanted to put that on the table this week. When we talk about the singularity, don't think about a big giant firecracker. That's not what that is. Nothing could be further from the truth. We're not talking about a firecracker. If anything, we're talking about a question mark. This is that moment where everything comes from nothing. But how does it get there? And that is a good thing to talk about next week. So in next week's episode, we'll jump in and start looking at that. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Seeking Proof, Finding Grace. I'd love it if you have any questions, please go to our website at prooftograce.com. You can reach out to us from our website or via email at prooftograce at yahoo.com. I would love it if you would hit the like and subscribe button, the like button for this video and the subscribe button to our channel. And as always, you can also find us on iTunes or Spotify, and we'd love it if you would subscribe there and follow us there as well. If you've got questions, we'd love to hear from you. And always remember, like I said, the most important fact in all of this, as we go looking about at the beginning of the universe, wouldn't it be amazing if what you found at the beginning of the universe was a God who loved you so much, he was willing to create all of this for the opportunity just to have a relationship with you. Thank you so much for joining us this week, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye.